the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. We're never too insignificant for God to use, but the weakness in their character brought all sorts of disasters in spite of their heroism, and that can happen to us too and the people we look up to. Because we're never too heroic to slip and fall. Kia tupato. Today's hero is Jephthah. Now Jephthah was conceived in sin. He was rejected by his family. He hung around with losers. But God had a job for him. He became a great diplomat. And he became a war leader. His courage and his obedience saved the nation. And his thoughtless impulsiveness brought tragedy and heartbreak and wrecked his family. There's a clue on your notices. Have you read what it says on the front? It says this. It says on the notices, Have you been caught by your own words, trapped by your own promises? That's from Proverbs 6.2. And certainly Jephthah was a man who was caught by his own words and trapped by his own promises. Now before the story of Jephthah begins, I should tell you, Israel, as they did, worshipped false gods. The true God, Yahweh, they abandoned and uh, they followed instead the gods who'd been in the district around before they arrived. It would be like us abandoning Yahweh to worship Papatuanuku and Tane. It would be like that. They weren't their gods. Uh, they weren't true gods. And for 18 years, that's what they did. And for 18 years, Yahweh, the true God, left them to it. Okay? If that's what they want to do. And what a miserable 18 years it was. They were being attacked on all sides. They had enemies just made sport of them. And they lived in fear. Their life was a mess. And then, finally, they wised up, as you hope they might. I'm reading the story of Jephthah from Judges 10. A lot of it I will be reading. Today I'm reading from the Good News Version. I think it's nice and clear. And it's quite an honest translation. Judges 10, 10. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned against you, for we left you, our God, and we worshipped the Baals. The Lord gave them this answer. The Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites oppressed you in the past, and you cried out to me, Did I not save you from them? But you still left me and worshipped other gods, so I'm not going to rescue you again. Go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them rescue you when you get into trouble. People of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do whatever you like, but please save us today. So they got rid of their foreign gods and worshipped the Lord, and he became troubled over Israel's distress. So often God um, listens to people who have a true change of heart, doesn't he? One of the things about being politically correct today is there's no place for repentance and change. They condemn people and don't look at what happened afterwards. Then the Ammonite army prepared for battle and made camp in Gilead. The men of Israel came together and camped at Mizpah in Gilead. There the people and the leaders of the Israelite tribes asked each other, Who will lead the fight against the Ammonites? Whoever does will be the leader of everyone in Gilead. Jephthah, a brave soldier from Gilead, was the son of a prostitute. His father Gilead had other sons by his wife, and when they grew up, they forced Jephthah to leave home. They said to him, You will not inherit anything from our father. You're the son of another woman. You can understand that, can't you? When, when Gilead died, his wife wouldn't want this boy around the house because he reminded her that Gilead had been unfaithful and been with someone else. So they kicked him out. That's Jephthah. Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, 
There he attracted a group of worthless men and they all went round to him. It was some time later that the Ammonites went to war against Israel. When this happened, the leaders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah back from the land of Tob. They said, come and lead us so that we can fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah answered, you hated me so much that you forced me to leave my father's house. Why do you come to me now while you're in trouble? They said to Jephthah, we're turning to you now because we want you to go with us and fight the Ammonites and lead all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to them, if you take me back home to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives us victory, I will be your ruler. Ooh, that's sticking it to them, isn't it? They replied, we agree, the Lord is our witness. So Jephthah went with the leaders of Gilead and the people made him their ruler and leader. They didn't like Jephthah when he was their bro, but they did know that he was a good scrapper. He probably learned by fighting with his brothers, six on one or whatever it was. Picking up from verse 12, Then Jephthah sent messages to the king of Ammon to say, What is your quarrel with us? Why have you invaded our country? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers, When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they took away my land from the river Arnon to the river Jabbok and to the river Jordan. Now you must give it back peacefully. Now I'm just going to paraphrase the next bit. I actually said that Jephthah was a diplomat. And what I meant by that is that Jephthah looks for ways to not fight if there's anything else. Back in those days, fighting was quite the thing to do. You'd have a battle. But Jephthah did not turn straight to that. He goes to the king of the Ammonites and says, listen, can we just talk this out? The Ammonites said, yes, your people pinch my land, give it back. But this is, I'm going to paraphrase what he said back. He said, we did not. When we came out of Egypt to go to the land where God had given us, we asked if we could peacefully pass through your land. Your answer was to attack my people. We didn't grab this land, but God drove you back to make space for us. And then he says at the end, he says, so God gave us this land, and so let's make a deal. We'll stay on the land that our God gave us, and you can stay on the land that your God, Chemosh, gave you. That sounds fair enough, doesn't it? But verse 28 says, but the king of, Ammonites, the king of Ammon paid no attention to this message from Jephthah. No, I've not done you any wrong. You're doing wrong by making war on me. The Lord is the judge. He will decide today between the Israelites and the Ammonites. Verse 29. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He went through Gilead and Manasseh and returned to Mizpah and Gilead and went on to Ammon. Jephthah promised the Lord, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will burn as an offering the first person that comes out of my house to meet me when I come back from the victory. I'll offer that person to you as a sacrifice. Now let's just stop there for a while and unpack that, huh? Was that the right thing to do? It was a disgusting thing to do, wasn't it? Because ethics tell us you can only give away what belongs to you. I want you to picture a bit of lightweight example here. Andy says to Luca, Luca, my son, if ever you manage to graduate, I am going to give you a new car. So finally Luca manages to graduate and uh, Andy comes and says, here's your new car. And Luca says, hang on, Dad. This is the next door neighbor's car. He says, well, yes, but I just promised to give you a new car. You can't do that. If it's not yours, you can't give it away. Now, when we read the story of Lot, when he had this crazy, mad, lusty crowd trying to bash his door down, he yelled out to them. He says, I've got some two daughters. I'll give them to you to do whatever you like, just to calm you down. Was that right? No, you can't give your daughters away like that. They're not like, it's not like throwing some sandwiches to the guys. These are people. And even when we read a story that says, whoever slays the dragon, the king will give his daughter in marriage. We go, oh, hang on a minute, your majesty. Is it really right that you choose who your girl's going to marry? Nowadays we do, don't we? We think, hasn't the girl got a say in this? 
Now, in 1 Chronicles 21, it unpacks this. It says this, Ornan said to David, My lord the king may take whatever seems good. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I'll give it all. No, replied King David, I insist on paying the full price, for I will not take for the Lord what belongs to you, nor will I offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So it's a principle in the Bible that if we're going to sacrifice to God, we sacrifice our stuff, not someone else's stuff, or in this case, someone else. The Bible says, you shall not kill, you shall not murder. Who was this guy, Jephthah, expecting to walk out of his door? His wife? His little girl? His mother-in-law? A farmhand? The cleaner? Would it make any difference? No, it wouldn't, because every, every life, every life is precious in God's sight. And even if it was just the cleaner who walked out the door, Jephthah had no right to kill that person and burn them as an offering. He should not have made that promise. Picking up from verse 32, So Jephthah crossed the river to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He struck at them from Aroah to the area around Minnath, twenty cities in all, and as far as abel Keramim. There was a great slaughter, and the Ammonites were defeated by Israel. When Jephthah went back home to Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him, dancing and playing the tambourine. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in sorrow and said, Oh, my daughter, you're breaking my heart. Why must it be you that causes me this pain? I've made a solemn promise to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. Do you see how he's trapped himself with the words of his mouth? He's trapped himself with his own promises? Without thinking, without even starting to think, it's turned out that he now has to kill and burn his daughter as an offering to God. Will God be pleased about that? He will not. I want to say three things about Jephthah and his situation now. First of all, Jephthah is quite right when he says that a promise is solemn and sacred and has to be kept. And that's especially for us as Christians. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So as Christians, if we say we'll do something, we do it. If we promise something, we keep it. If we say we'll pay a bill, we pay it, because that's what we do. Jephthah was not wrong in saying that a promise is a sacred and important thing. But sometimes a promise we make is so unwise that we should try to get out of it. And the Bible actually says that. There's a passage in Proverbs chapter 6. Listen carefully to this. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor... If you've shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said and snared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The Bible clearly says that some people make promises so stupid that they should do all they can to get out of them. I wish Jephthah had thought of that. And the example that this Bible passage uses is if you've become security, or the word we use around here is guarantor. Do you know what that means? I had a friend, I have a friend, who's a woman about my age on the pension, 
And uh, her niece said to her, Auntie, my boyfriend and I, we want to rent a flat, but they won't let us go into it because we have no credit rating. Will you sign as guarantor for us? All right, said Auntie, who happened to own her own home. So she signed up to go guarantor. The Bible says never do that. Don't go guarantor. I mean, if you can pay someone's bond, pay it if you want to. Don't borrow money to do it. That's another dumb thing. But if you can pay, pay. But don't go guarantor because it's open-ended. So her niece and her boyfriend trashed the house, did pee, really made a great big mess. This lady got into huge trouble. This, they, I don't know why, but around Huntley, they always seem to go the guarantor rather than the original people. And uh, when I first met that woman, she was 11 days from losing her house. The Bible says don't go guarantor. And the Bible also says if you have, do everything you can to get out of it. There's a time to try and get out of a promise. Sometimes we promise to do something that God forbids. Not just an unwise thing, but a straight up evil thing. And sometimes, rather than begging to be released from a promise, we need to simply say we are not going to keep it. Yes, I know I took $5,000 to kill your husband, but I know that it would be wrong of me to keep that promise. Here's your money back and I'm not going to do it. Broken promise because something is more important than the promise. I know I promised to leave my wife and come and live with you, but actually my wife has a promise that I'll stay with her my whole life. God has convicted me and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to break my promise to you. There's a friend of mine lives within a few hundred meters of where we are right now. And when he wanted to join the mongrel mob, he was told that he had to promise to do whatever the prayers said. So he did. He promised to do whatever the prayers said. He had to fight the prayers. Now, that was a messy business, and he was badly hurt by it. He had to blow up a police car, which he did. And then his third task was he had to rape a woman who they would bring and present to him. He refused to do that, so he never did get his patch. But you see, although he had promised to follow the prayers, even in his twisted gangster mind, which would do those other things, he knew that that was so wrong that he would break his promise and miss out on the chance to be in the gang. What about other gangs like the Freemasons and the Mormons? Once again, those gangs make promises which are backed up by horrible oaths and curses on the people themselves and their descendants. They are the same promises, by the way, because Joseph Smith was a Freemason and the Mormon, the Mormon oaths are the same as the Freemason ones. And so they promise that if they ever divulge the secret or break these promises, dreadful things will happen to them and their descendants. Well... People come to the stage where they realize that it's more evil to keep those promises than break them. And so they need lots of prayer support and lots of backup and lots of help. But people have broken free from the Freemasons and from the Mormons. I believe there's a time when keeping a promise is more sinful than breaking it. Did you hear what I said? I believe. I cannot read a Bible passage for there. This is what I invite you to weigh and judge for yourself. In this particular case, this promise was about child sacrifice. In Jeremiah 19, it says, Listen, I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this a place of foreign gods. They have burned incense in it to gods that neither they nor their ancestors nor the kings of Judah ever knew. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire as offerings to Baal, something I did not command or mention nor did it enter my mind God hates child sacrifice did you know that 
Mother Teresa said, We must not be surprised when we hear of murders, of killings, of wars, of hatred. If a mother can kill her own child, what is left but for us to kill each other? A nation that kills its children in the womb has lost its soul. Let's read what happens after this. I have made a solemn promise to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. The daughter said to him, If you've made a promise to the Lord, do what you said you'd do to me, since the Lord has given you revenge on your enemies, the Ammonites. But she asked her father, Do this one thing for me. Leave me alone for two months, so that I can go with my friends to wander in the mountains and grieve that I must die a virgin. He told her to go and sent her away for two months. She and her friends went up into the mountains and grieved, because she was going to die unmarried and childless. After two months, she came back to her father. He did what he had promised the Lord, and she died still a virgin. This was the origin of the custom in Israel that the young woman would go away for four days every year to grieve for the daughter of Jephthah of Gilead. You see, Gilead's stupidity put a grief over that nation that lasted. All the young girls spent time every year remembering the sad, sad story. It was a legacy of sadness. I've said today that a promise for a Christian is a solemn and sacred thing, as much as a sworn oath is to anyone else. You see, Christians don't need to say, I do solemnly swear by Almighty God that I will pay you on Thursday the money, the whole money, and nothing but the money. We don't need to do that. We just say, we'll pay you Thursday, and we pay. A promise for us is a sacred and binding thing. I've said that sometimes the Bible tells us to try hard to be released from unwise promises. Being a guarantor is unwise. Don't do it. And I've said that sometimes a promise we make is so evil, we sin more by keeping it than breaking it. And Jephthah is a tragic reminder. Like Lot, his values had been corrupted by years of living in a pagan society. So how can we live right? There's a very simple answer. Be very careful. Think carefully before you make a promise. Before you make a promise to an adult. And before you make a promise to a child. Because there is so much to lose. Many years ago, a little girl called Cheryl was picked by her schoolmates to come and ask me about something. Mr. Welsh, the kids have asked me to ask you, can we have a school ball? Oh, I said, I'll think about it. So she ran out the door and announced, he said yes, he said yes. I walked out the door, I said, wait, wait a minute, whoa, I didn't say yes. I said, I'll think about it. And she said, yes, but that means yes. When you say I'll think about it, that means yes. Now, she'd actually realized something that made me think. She'd realize I will never make a promise unless I'm absolutely sure. You see, if I had said yes, I would have still had to see if we could book the hall and if the school committee agreed and all sorts of things. So when I said I think about it, she knew that meant I will commit to doing what I can to make this happen. So what I'm suggesting is let's all be just as careful at making promises as that so that a promise from us, we've thought it out, we're willing to follow through. I want to finish my talk today by recapping a bit from the beginning, which is the theme of the series. I said God could use all these th heroes in spite of their weaknesses, and he can use us. We're never, too insignificant for, in, we're never too insignificant for God to use, but the weaknesses in their character brought all sorts of disasters in spite of their heroism, and that can happen to us too and to people we look up to. We're never too heroic to slip and fall. Kia tupato. Can we just pray? 
God, I, when I look at the story of Jephthah, I wish it wasn't even in there. I've got girls of my own, and that man, because of a stupid promise he made with his mouth, he wiped out his whole family. He never had any grandchildren. We know he was a hero. We know he was brave. We know you called him, and he did his job. But we know, too, that however heroic we are, our character is so important to you. Help us, Lord, to be careful about this whole issue of promises, things we say or we'll do. Help us to be thoughtful, to stop and think about whether we can follow through. Help us to be known as people who keep their promises, who turn up when they say they will and who pay their bills. We ask this, Lord, so that our church can have a good witness amongst the community that we live in and also so we can have quiet hearts, always knowing that we're living with a clean conscience towards you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.